What's up, YouTube? Today's a very special day for this channel. I just recorded my first podcast, something that I've been talking for so long, Talking Cards. Today's episode number one. My first guest is James, a collector that I respect quite a lot, a very smart collector, a collector that is very engaged in the pre-modern market, and my conversation with him was amazing, and I feel like you guys will enjoy it also quite a lot. If in the end uh, you want to show support to this podcast, to me, to James, feel free to leave a like, means a lot, I'm starting something new, of course, it's even more important to, to see the community reacting well to this new series, to this uh, new podcast, so don't forget the like. And another thing that I want to correct and will be very, very easy to understand, at the start of, of the, the podcast, I will say welcome to the second episode of Talking Cars. Uh, end up doing that mistake is actually the first episode. I had a couple of guesses and I thought this eventually will be the second episode. I was wrong on that. It's actually the first and is an amazing one to, to start. So don't forget the like and see you guys very soon. Enjoy the episode. What's up, YouTube? This is the second uh, time I'm recording the Talking Cards podcast. Today I have an amazing guest, James, a guy that I like quite a lot. Um, he's very knowledgeable when it comes to pre-modern, vintage, etc. And I thought this was uh, a great guest uh, to have for, uh, for the second time I'm recording this. So I will pass the, the word to, to James. James, uh, say something to, to the audience that don't know you. Uh, yeah, hi everybody. If you don't know me, um, James Cards FC. I've been on um, Sunday League Investors Channel a few times recently, so that's probably why um, anybody would know me from before. But um, try to be pretty active in the community in terms of uh, talking about vintage, modern, and ultra modern. Uh, so got back in the hobby in 2019, and then really heavily in 2020 and 2021. And so picked up a lot of knowledge along the way. Always looking to learn more. But yeah, looking forward to uh, having a good conversation. Okay, I talk a lot with James uh, via Instagram, so he's not like a person that I don't know, to be transparent <laughs> with, with all the, the viewers. But I, I thought that there was a couple of topics that right now are relevant um, to have a conversation that I think James could actually provide a, a good value, basically. And the, the way the, this will go is I will start with 10 quick questions, and then I will go back to, to all of those questions, and James will be able to explain a little bit better uh, his thoughts. So, James, the, the way this will work is quite simple. Uh, I will ask you 10 questions. Uh, a couple of them is basically a word or something. It's super easy to, to, to answer. Don't feel pressure. Say the, the, the first thing that comes to your mind, because even if you want to change uh, your answer, you'll be able to do it later um, on, this, uh, on this video. So can I start with this? Let's go. Okay, first question. Most iconic soccer card for you? Most iconic card? Um, it's either... Pele, Leaf of Bulligan, or it's Messi 71 disc. You have to pick one now. I have to pick one? Um, yeah. seven All right. Best set ever made in soccer. Could be vintage, could be pre-modern, could be ultra-modern. It's up to you. The best set that you yeah. think is... Yeah. Um, I think the best set's probably 2004 megahertz, if I had to pick one. Okay. Question number three. Best player ever. Best player ever? Um... In terms of just best player, I think it's Messi. Favorite player? Favorite player? Um, is the question number four. 
Ronaldinho for an older player. And then when I started watching soccer again in 2014, Douglas Costa. All right. Question number five. Most underrated player in the hobby? Most underrated in the hobby. Um, That's a good question. I want to say that it's still messy just because I think it's probably still a long way to go. But if I was going to pick somebody that's underrated below him, somebody like Griezmann probably makes a lot of sense. All right. Question number six. Biggest problem that you see in the hobby, in, in, in the soccer card market? Uh, biggest problem, uh, probably over-investing in prospects like anybody between 17 and 21 years old. All right. Question number seven. Biggest quality or potentially that uh, the soccer card market have for you? Biggest quality What's is... the biggest quality? Yeah. yeah, it's global reach and the fact that the population reports at least going back before 2014-ish are so, so low. All right. Question number eight. We are almost done. What's your, what, what's your most unpopular opinion about the, the soccer card market, about the hobby? Most unpopular opinion that you think most people basically don't agree with you? I think I've shared this one before in Instagram DMs, but I, and I just said that 71 Biz is the most iconic card in the hobby. I think that's probably one of the worst way in all Messi investments right now. All right. Question, that's unpopular. Question number <laughs> nine. In five years, what market will be, what market you see doing well uh, or having the biggest growth in five years, F1 or Marvel? Oh, macro perspective. Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, I'm going to say Marvel because I think F1 might get in trouble when pop reports go out. All right. Last question, question number 10. BGS or SCC? In five years, what's the company do, do, doing better, right? Uh, that, that you think? In five years, I don't think either of them exist, but SGC. Okay. All right. So it's then basically now I will go back to the first question to, to talk a little bit about those topics. I think uh, I, I want to put this this way. I'll, I'll again put you against. The, uh, it, again, pressure on you because now you can explain your, your thoughts a little bit better. So going back to, to, the, the, to the first question, the most iconic soccer cards uh, in the market, you, you said 7-1-Bs, but it should be for you at least between Alifa Bologet or 7-1-Bs. Uh, Alifa Bologet, I'm talking about uh, Pelé. Uh, can, can you explain why you end up, end up choosing Messi 7-1-Bs? Yeah, I think it's more iconic just in a general sense that more people are able to obtain it. And a lot of people see that as the grail card for, um, for at least them in, in pre-modern collecting and even in ultra-modern. Obviously, Messi's still top of mind. And so when you think of his best card, we usually think of something like this. And it, it just has this iconic look to it as well as it comes from, comes from Spain, it comes from a premium set, all these different factors add up for that. And the reason I would pick that over the Pele Alifa is the fact that you can't really get the Pele Alifa, even if you want a lower grade, um, you got to show out 20, 30 K for it. So yeah. a lot of people can't realistically obtain that. So it's, it's, it's probably the 71 bits just for that fact. So uh, I, I would assume for you, the most iconic card in vintage is Alifa Bologet in this case. Yeah. And I, I mean, you can make the argument that it should be a 57 Pele or something like that, but I, it, it just doesn't have the ability for enough people to have it. And, no, and, uh, I, and, and my answer is, yeah, I, I, I think Alifa Bologet is the most iconic card in 
probably in, in the entire market, but I agree with you, it's between seven on bids and uh, Pelé Alifa Bologueta. I think on vintage Pelé Alifa Bologueta or Bologueta, I'm not sure how, how to pronounce it, is the mm -hmm. card to go. I think in, um, in pre-modern, it's probably between Cristiano Ronaldo, Mega Cracks and Messi Mega Cracks, but I think Messi, the market is a little bit bigger for, for him. I could be wrong, but at least is the idea that I have. Mm -hmm. And what, what about Ultra Modern? I will share mine first, since you end up sharing the other two. I think the, the most iconic card in Ultra Modern, even if I'm not a crazy big fan of that card, I think it's Prism 2018 Mbappe. Um, could be a numbered card, could be some type of parallel, but even the base, I think that card is, is quite iconic uh, in Ultra Modern. And I think that that's one of the cards that end up uh, growing with the explosion of, of the hobby. Yeah, I agree with that as well. And I think the fact that it transcended just the soccer hobby, because at a point when when base stuff was going crazy, people that weren't into soccer at all were aware of and had Mbappe PSA 10 base or Mbappe PSA 10 silvers, but not in the way that they had um, 2017 chromes for Mbappe and things like that. And so for, for more of the general mainstream hobby that's not necessarily in the soccer niche, they still know that card. I agree. So yeah, uh, I guess we are almost in line on this question. Pelé, Miss Messi, on Bs, Mbappé, in different eras, but those cards are are quite iconic, uh, even if Mbappé is still such a, a young card in the hobby, but still super iconic. Mm -hmm. So on the question number two, you said the best set, uh, the question was, what's the, the best set ever made? You said the Mega Cracks 2004. Uh, let me say one thing. I agree with you. I mean, I, I've been saying that for... Uh, for um, at this point almost years uh, and I think that set is, is super iconic the reason I say it and I will give you the word in a moment is I think it's important for a set to, to have a holy grail cards um, because automatic there is a lot of attention to, to that set and uh, even then if you think there is another great rookies Sergio Ramos is, is one of the best defenders ever also being in having a rookie there and, and if you think about um, uh, that said, I mean, so many people that end up winning Ballon d'Or, Zidane, Ronaldo, um, Michael Owen, Messi, it was just an insane, Ronaldinho, of course, was just an insane moment uh, in time in Spain. Spain. Spain have been quite strong, to be fair, because after that, they end up having the Cristiano Ronaldo-Messi era. Uh, so I agree with you. I think Mega Cracks is, um, at least for a league uh, set, I don't think there is a lot of competition being real. I think if you want to, to put national teams, I think there is a couple, 2006 World Cup is actually the, the Panini cards. That set is actually quite beautiful uh, in my perspective. So it's a strong contender, but I don't know. I think I, I relate players more with the club than I relate with the, the national team. So I would love to know your thoughts on that. But yeah, I, I, I agree with you. you. Yeah, and I think what you said earlier is really key for me. It's the fact that the set has to have one of the Holy Grails in it. And so when we talk about 2016 World Cup, while the Messi and Ronaldo cards are, are valuable in that set and sought after, they're not Holy Grail cards in any sense because there's there's too many of them. It's not a rookie season, and there's a, there's a bunch of different reasons why they're not as good as 2004. But exactly. so that said, that's why I, I wouldn't put it up there. And so the only other one I would consider would be the Alifa set. But the problem with that set is the fact that outside of the Pele and the Grincha, yeah, I might get hate from vintage collectors here, but there's no other relevant cards in that set. Like, uh, I'm, it's, I'm sorry. It's different, right? It's different. Yeah, yeah it's, the, it's a different sort of relevance. And, and so, even, 
even the product for megacracks is just a better product. I mean, we can see there is some, uh, I would not say technology, but uh, things are a little bit more ahead on 2004. And uh, and uh, mm. actually, I, I like the design of those cards quite a lot. I actually think it's one of the best uh, um, megacrack sets ever made. Even if I if, even if I take the, the messy out of the set, I really like the, the design. Actually, not related, uh, related with, with this question, but not part of uh, the, the, the total question that I end up asking. You in this case, Stan, what do you think about the sale of um, Ronaldinho Mega Cracks 2004? A PSA 9, I believe, sold for $800. What do you think about that? Yeah, yeah, I remember that when it got listed on eBay for $1,800, and I thought to myself, that's the highest graded Ronaldinho Mega Cracks that I'd seen in, in a couple of years, I think, listed on eBay, whether it be for auction or buy it now. Um, so when it was listed for 1800, I thought eh, it's it's high, but it might actually get there just because you never see these come up. And so when it sold for 800, I thought, yeah, I mean, it 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 makes some sense to me um, in terms of the set. That's easily one of the top three, five cards in the set. And mm -hmm. if that is going to be the most iconic set in the hobby and the Messi is the Grail, that Ronaldinho in high grade should be a Grail as well, just considering we talked about this before, but Ronaldinho only has one rookie and then. Outside of that, his other releases are either really, really low in pop or just not the best sort of cards or stickers. So, for, for example, like the 2002 uh, horizontal one he has with PSG, there's tons of those, and, and it doesn't really feel like a, a special sticker, really. But when you look at the Megacrats card, that, that looks and, and feels like it should be something iconic and valuable. So I'm not surprised that it performs that well. And, and I think that actually opens a window um, in the pre-modern market for one reason. Mm -hmm. If you think about the, because, uh, because Ronaldinho have 2003 cards, uh, that's actually the rookie season at, at Barcelona, but I don't think any cards on 2003 sold for, uh, for this amount of money. So makes me believe, and could be me being too optimistic, but... Uh, Set collecting can actually be a thing, especially for Mega Cracks 2004. Because uh, think about this: Do you think at 2003 PSA 9? And I don't know the pop report from the top of my head, but you think a PSA 9? I'm sorry, uh, at 2003 PSA 9, uh, Ronaldinho sells for that? I'm not sure, honestly. I think that was because people recognize that set, the 2004 set, as as a super iconic set. Yeah, I agree. They're putting a premium on the set value. If, if the 2003 came up in a high grade, like a PSA 9, I don't think it would cross even 500. Mm. And this, again, like I was saying, this opens a new window in the pre-modern market because it makes me believe that uh, players like Zinedine Zidane, uh, Ronaldo, the, the Brazilian one, on that set, David Beckham, Michael Owen, Luis Fig, all of those players can potentially be, again, no financial advice, as you guys know, <laughs> but can potentially be a good buy right now if you can still find those in good condition that can potentially grade eight, nines, and, uh, and, and maybe even tens. <laughs> Yeah, the thing on those is the fact that so few are, are either graded or are going to be in high grades, because at least with the Messi, um, there's, at least in my opinion, there would be a high likelihood that even if people weren't into cards or card grading at the time, they would have kept it and they would have kept it in a nice condition just because it, it still would have been known as a Messi rookie in 2004. And so the likelihood of those cards surviving is a lot higher than, say, one of the one of the Beckham cards surviving in a high grade or, uh, or, or Zidane surviving in a high grade. And so I think those could be extremely low pop. And whenever you have that sort of supply shock on the market, things get really interesting. 
the thing that, that, that can be a little bit tricky is I believe the Messi was an update. So there is mm -hmm. a likely scenario that is more Ronaldinho, David Beckham, then there is actually Lionel Messi. Of course, this is super relative. We don't know for sure. Uh, for example, if when they introduced the, the seven, uh, the, in this case, the Bs, which means at the time in Spain was uh, uh, players that end up joining the team uh, in January or around that, I'm not sure if that means that the other players end up appearing a little bit less. And for example, Ramos and Messi appearing a little bit more. So it's so difficult to say uh, if Messi is more rare than David Beckham or, or David Beckham could even be more rare, which I, I don't believe, by the way. But it's, it's difficult to, to say what, uh, what card can actually have more... Um, some type of true rarity, knowing that Pops will be huge for uh, for those like Messi. I mean, Messi, if, if you count all, all the grading companies, is above 1K Pop report, uh, 1K Pop total, I'm sorry. Uh, but we know that getting uh, a PSA 9, a PSA 10, there is only 20. There is a little bit more uh, BGS 995s, but still quite, quite difficult to find. And I would expect the same for um, Ronaldinho, David Beckham, etc. on that set. But yeah, I think that, like I was saying, opens a very interesting window on, on the pre-modern market because... And by the way, one of my first videos, and you guys can check that on, on YouTube, was I believe the, the one of the, the biggest plays right now in the market is collecting uh, um, sets. Again, it's a very long-run type of play without any type of doubt. But that sale for uh, Ronaldinho, and I know Ronaldinho is a very special player, um, makes me believe that uh, I... I was right uh, <laughs> one year ago, more or less. So I, I hope it's the case. But let, let's move on. Uh, uh, great, great answer. Question number three. Best player ever for you, you said Lionel Messi. Can, can you explain a little bit more? And my answer, by the way, I, I agree. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think you get into this interesting argument about best player when it comes to, are you talking about their legacy, the trophies they've won, the awards they've won, or is it the best player in terms of, skill, technical ability, and all that. And so you can't really compare somebody like Pele to Messi because if you talk about them technically, it's it's not even close. I mean, Messi's miles ahead of maybe any player that's ever played the game in terms of his technical ability. But Pele, different times, different times, right? Yeah, and, and that's what I'm saying. It's different. It's completely different times. So comparing them that way is really tough. But if, if I think about who the best player ever is, it's Messi just because of that technical ability and the fact that he does things that we've never seen four on the pitch and 91 goals in a season and all that stuff. I mean, we're, there's a very likely scenario that we never see anybody reach those peaks again. And so just from that sense and the longevity of it, I know he's had a, a really bad season um, this season I and mean, even the season prior wasn't, wasn't up to his standards, but the, the, the record list is so long for him of records that we'll probably never see broken again that I think it's hard to argue at this point. No, I, I agree with you, but I will open this question a, a, a little bit more. So mm -hmm. let's let's say the best player by era. Um, mm -hmm. What what player do you think is the best in the vintage era? And I know some people in vintage, that they like to, to separate vintage between uh, uh, pre-war. Uh, again, uh, let's go just vintage and uh, vintage goes until the 80s, until the 90s. It's up to you in the end. What, what do you think is, is the best uh, vintage player i'm not saying the best investment on the market this, this is just mm -hmm. as a fan of the sport what what is the player that even i i, I know because <laughs> you, you are super young you, you did not saw those those great players me neither of course 
but uh, we, we tend to watch uh, highlights on YouTube and read stories. What, what player do you think was actually the best player uh, in that era, in the, in the, in the vintage era? Yeah, I mean, it's either it's either Pele or it's Maradona, just depending on what you value more. Um, do you value the fact that Maradona was was single-handedly carrying teams, or do you value the fact that Pele just kept winning, even though his team was really, really strong um, besides him? And so, I mean, I don't think you can go wrong with either. I probably personally think it's more impressive if you're able to drag a team that's that's decent or not so decent into being top-class world champion level than it is to... Um, be the best player on the best team. And so I'd probably say Maradona for that reason, but I, you, you really can't go wrong with either. Uh, I totally agree. For me, it's also between Maradona and Pele. I think Cruyff also should mm -hmm. be in the conversation. Di Stefano should be in the conversation. But uh, I think it's, it's about preference, right? I think Maradona was a little bit more magic, was more... Uh, Uh, something unique. Pelé, I, Pelé, if I had to compare, Pelé remembers more, at least uh, from what I've been seeing, more Cristiano Ronaldo than the Maradona, not because of being Argentine, but he's more <laughs> like uh, Messi. Messi yeah. A little bit more magic. And uh, again, what you said is, is actually correct. Uh, the, on, on 58, Maradona was, not Maradona, I'm sorry, Pelé was very important, but was not even the best player on the tournament. And uh, mm -hmm. on the next World Cup, uh, um, You end up getting injured. So again, Pel of course, Pelé have, have three World Cups, but let's be real, you end up only playing on two or, or being important on, on two. And uh, players like mm -hmm. Garrincha, Didi, he had such, such uh, an amazing, uh, always an amazing team with him. And not saying Maradona played with, uh, with farmers, of course, but Maradona alone almost end up winning the, um, I believe, 86, right, uh, World Cup. So Uh, impressive stuff. I, I, I'm a fan of both. Um, now talking a little bit about the market. I, I don't uh, play on, on the Pelé market because it's too expensive being real. And I feel I have more opportunities on, on other markets right now. Um, I could eventually move something to get into the Pelé market, but I, I would need to, to put a lot of stuff to, to even acquire one important card for Pelé at this moment. Not saying it's a bad market because, because I know I have a lot of viewers that are uh, in the Pelé market. Um, But this will be related with another question. I think Maradona, for example, is, is still uh, affordable if you compare with, with Pelé. And uh, there is this disconnection almost that um, people put Pelé at the top of the top. And there is reasons for that, of course. But I, I think the, the soccer world, I'm not talking about the soccer card world, but the soccer world, they have this competition is Pelé or Maradona. I don't think it's that clear as, as the soccer uh, card market tends to, to make it right now. Yeah, and I, I and I, I definitely agree with that. And it's it's more of a a fact that the Pele's come up in high. I think a lot of it is the Pele's come up in high grades more often. They get sent to Golden more often, and so we see them more often. If we were seeing the the '79 Maradona Panini specifically, I've and we were seeing that in high grades. Uh, for example, if a if a nine went to Golden or uh, an eight and a half or an eight went to Golden, and you saw those sales keep going higher and higher, I think you would see that sort of progression similar to what we see with Pele, but that just doesn't happen. I mean, we we almost never see a, a Maradona eight or higher either hit PWCC or Golden, and so we don't see that latter effect. But with Pele, we do, and so his prices will just keep increasing with time. Um, I also think there's a disconnect on the American side. 
uh, of the market in yeah. terms of Bennett versus Maradona. And so when I look at those golden sales and the PWCC sales, I think to myself, it's probably either um, a fractional fund doing it that is based in America or an investment fund doing that's based in America or some sort of big investment owners in America that's buying these things. And they just, they know Pele more than they know Maradona, at least from my perspective and what I see in America, you, you know who Pele is um, and you know he's the best player of all time. You like, you know that. Maradona, you maybe know, but you definitely know Pele. No, I agree. I, I think it's, it's almost easier to, to, the marketing is easier for Pele on the card market. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm trying to say? Even for auction houses, stuff like that. So yeah, very, very interesting uh, um, question. And um, and again, let's make this, this a little bit even more fun. So you said Pelé or Maradona. I, I guess you prefer Maradona, if I'm correct. Um, I probably also would go with Maradona, but I think both, uh, both are great. Um, on uh, on pre-modern, we both agree, Messi. Uh, but Cristiano Ronaldo, of course, deserves a, a mention. And I, I love the Cristiano Ronaldo. I think Cristiano Ronaldo, again, is another player that for me is top three. So <laughs> I have I, I, I consideration for Cristiano Ronaldo. What about ultra-modern? I know there is no gods. People tend to say the, the baby gods. But what is the mm -hmm. player that you truly believe could be the next Ballon d'Or, could be the player that's running this new, new generation, basically? It'd be really hard to say anybody but Mbappe at this point, just from the perspective of he's going to play for the French national team, he's going to play for PSG. Yeah, that, that's a great point, yeah. And, 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 and that stuff really matters, right? And he has this whole marketing thing behind that. Everybody knows who Mbappe is. He already has a lot of hype and juice in the hobby. And even in, when we talk about winning Ballon d'Or and, and all that stuff, it's in the past, um, and maybe this changes, the rule changes, it's a popularity contest more than anything. And Mbappe will have a lot of hype and a lot of popularity. So that... That will matter. Um, and yeah, I, I mean, I could go through a list of guys that are 17 and 19 years old that I think are really good, but we really have no idea with any of those. Kids. No, so. uh, it's just for fun. Uh, I think, yeah. uh, again, my, my answer is very generic. Also, I think it's between Aland and Bappe. But what you said makes a lot of sense. Aland playing for Norway. Not ideal, <laughs> let's be real. And Mbappe, France historical tends to be a super strong team. So Mbappe will always be a little bit closer to win the biggest trophy. You know, he already won, of course, mm -hmm. but even another one. So, and even right now, probably the favorite team or, or the second favorite team for the, I'm sorry, the, the next World Cup. So yeah, great, great question. Uh, let's move on. And let's go to the number four. And this, Again, is 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 the the fun one favorite player ever, which is funny because your answer is also mine. Ronaldinho is also my favorite player ever, and before you 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 go a little bit more uh, in depth about this, I, I see some people on the orbit not understanding the hype about Ronaldinho. I actually, was talking with a member on Discord that Ronaldinho does not have the trophies to compete um, <laughs> even with Ronaldo, Zidane, etc. Why people put Ronaldinho so up there? I think it's the type of thing that if you saw, you know, uh, because Ronaldinho was uh, was special, basically. was a player mm -hmm. that, um, look, if if Ronaldinho does not exist, good chance I'm not recording this, this podcast. Mm -hmm. Because at the time, uh, I, I ended up liking football, but uh, it was more like casual. But when Ronaldinho ended up appearing at Barcelona, that was completely was... Uh, 
that end up changing the, the, the soccer. And actually, the, the first videos I, I, stopped, I started searching on YouTube, when YouTube ended up appearing, was Ronaldinho tricks with the ball, stuff like yeah. that. So Ronaldinho is... If, if, uh, and again, this is no critique, but it's, it's a reality. A lot of Americans started collecting very recently, and they don't know this history. But people that saw Ronaldinho play, they understand how special that, that guy was. That's Because again, his stats, maybe not the best. His number of goals, very normal for a, even a, a mid-tier player nowadays. That, that's the reality. But mm -hmm. it was about what Ronaldinho ended up representing for, for soccer. Uh, to a certain point, I believe there is a comparison between Ronaldinho and Michael Jordan. People say Michael Jordan ended up making people feel in love with soccer again. And I believe Ronaldinho also was that, in this case, on the pre-modern era. Because, uh, again, soccer was an amazing sport already, but Ronaldinho ended up bringing that almost spicy, that, that magic that was... So fascinating to watch. I, I have a story that I remember Benfica, which is my team playing against uh, Barcelona. And I was not sure about what team I should support because I was such a big fan of Ronaldinho that I, I really was not sure. So completely agree with you. Ronaldinho, by a large margin, the, the my favorite player. I don't think he was the best player because, again, that's in that case, I think stats make, make some sense, but I think he's, he's a, a key player in, in pre-modern uh, without any level. Yeah. And, and I think what you said there is really important. It's the fact that when you talk about Ronaldinho, it's not about trophies or, or Ballon d'Ors or, or, or really anything other than who he was to a lot of people. And then, I mean, we just don't have people to play like, like Ronaldinho. We didn't have people before Ronaldinho that really played like Ronaldinho. So it was, it was this really interesting thing where you were watching a completely different way of playing the game and so when you go back and you look at the highlights and those those highlights have a crazy number of views which just shows how many people were were, were taken to that that story and that narrative and so I, I could be wrong but i actually believe ronaldinho was some of the first viral videos on on youtube ronaldinho and even christian ronaldo at united because at the time i remember looking at those videos having 5 million views, which today is, is nothing, well, let's be real. But at the time was completely insane, a video. And I, I could be wrong, but I actually believe a Ronaldinho video was, for a long time, was top two or top three on, on YouTube. I remember looking mm -hmm. at something around, around that time that I was, whoa, it's just insane how popular Ronaldinho is. But yeah, yeah. I, I agree with you completely. <laughs> So uh, moving on, and there is not a lot to say about this in the end, it's, it's about preference. Uh, for sure, a lot of people in the future will say Cristiano Ronaldo, Messi, other, other, uh, a kid nowadays probably in the future will say Mbappé. So it's about generation, right? Question number five. Most underrated player in the hobby, you said Lee, Lionel Messi, right? No, no, you said Lionel Messi or could be Griezmann. Yeah, it depends on how you interpret the question, right? In, in terms of undervalued and where I think their future prices could be, like in long-term thinking, I think it's still messy. But in terms of right now in this moment, it's a guy like Griezmann probably makes a lot of sense. Mm -hmm. Look, about Messi, I have an insane amount of confirmation bias on this topic. I'm going to be real. He's the player that I invest the most, so makes almost not... Uh, Makes almost no sense for me to, to agree with you on, on that. <laughs> um, on Griezmann, 
I, I guess it depends if France and Epps, uh, because again, if France and Epps winning another World Cup, the narrative on Griezmann can change quite drastically because Griezmann have been the man for France. People think he's Mbappé, but that's not the reality. Actually, Griezmann have been the, the best man for for France. Um, I think in right now, I actually believe Lewandowski could be the, the most... Uh, underrated player in the pre-modern era, at least. Um, because yeah, I, mean, the, I think that's a good one. Insane. Yeah, I think that's a good one as well in terms of where his price is at and where it should be. For me, it's for me, I would say Griezmann just because of the fact that he doesn't even have a market at all, if you really look at it. Like I was I, I was saying um the the gold select Messi from 2017 that ended up selling for 70 grand, you can get at least until yesterday, I think it sold, you could have got the Griezmann version of that exact same card for $200 on eBay. And yeah. So, yeah, I I mean, he has no market. And and he's probably going to end up being the highest goal scorer for France. If they win another World Cup, he'll be the highest goal scorer and two World Cups. That's but, speculative, but it's... I'm sorry. Let, let me ju- just put another thing out there. Yeah. What about almost every key player, legendary player from pre-modern being undervalued? Because one thing that I feel is, you look at Messi and Cristiano Ronaldo prices, they are insane, especially for those numbered cards like uh, Prism 2014, uh, Select, whatever. All of those uh, very popular sets on on on, um, on ultra modern. You, you know, uh, as me, that you look at Messi prices and Cristiano Ronaldo, and they are in a different league with Mbappe and Alan now being, being also quite quite expensive. But don't you think that we can apply that logic that, that you did for Griezmann, like you said? Uh, that gold uh, um, is what is, is select uh, field, yes, right? Yes, 2017. Yeah. Okay, uh, being so cheap, but what about Iniesta? What about uh, mm-hmm. uh, Lewandowski, Modric? All of those players that we know are so important for this era. Don't you mm-hmm. think we can almost apply this idea that almost every player that is key, that that is a legendary player, and this is a relative thing, of course, can be undervalued right now in the market. Yeah, I agree with you on that fact. I mean, th- then you open the door to players like Neymar, for example, is is ridiculously underpriced compared to Messi and Ronaldo. But you can't really say underpriced because the market has the price, but it seems yeah. like undervalued in the market just because, I mean, when, when we're going to talk about this era, we're going to talk about Messi and we're going to talk about Ronaldo. And then after that, you probably talk about Neymar. The, the reason I'm asking this and... I know you you have experience on this market. I was I was really thinking about this the other day. Look, mm-hmm. if you if you look at Mega Cracks 2009 and right now the Cristiano Ronaldo card and even the Messi are getting very very good price, especially the, the Cristiano mm-hmm. Ronaldo card. But uh, for example, right now Benzema is playing out of his mind. He's playing at a level that could could potentially even be exactly <laughs> that card is beautiful. That. Uh, <laughs> Benzema could be the next Ballon d'Or. I mean, it's totally possible if Real Madrid wins. If uh, Again, there is a scenario on that, at least. And I'm seeing his cards on that set in particular moving quite a lot. And I was thinking about this. Look, I bought, I remember buying Cristiano Ronaldo's for, um, in good condition, let's say $40, $50. And if I grade, if I grade those, and I actually sold a couple of those in the past, uh, if, if they grow... Uh, great, I'm sorry. Eights, nines, I can sell it for $500. Um, mm. Again, a good amount of money. But maybe people that that, that was investing in Bezema, in uh, players like Modric, etc. Modric is not on that set. But uh, in, in, in this general idea, look, Bezema was probably $1 or $2 in Spain, that card. 
you know what I'm saying? And right now you can sell it for $50 in good condition. So the, the increment was way stronger on those um, legendary players. But again, this is a complex topic because you can tell me, yeah, but you need to grind a lot on that front and it's a little bit easier to buy just two, three cards and make your money and move on. Uh, so it's, it's a complex topic, but uh, I think there is some merit in, into looking at, at least, again, no financial advice, guys, but looking at in a macro perspective at other players right now, like you said, every, like you said, with the Griezmann example, but I'm saying now that I guess we can apply almost this to, to the entire market, on spe specific on pre-modern, but maybe even in vintage. Yeah, I think in pre-modern specifically, if you're targeting players like Benzema, like Griezmann, like any any of those kinds of players that are the tier below Messi and Ronaldo, and you're buying things like um, early Mega Cracks cards, early Mundi Chrome or Mega Cracks inserts, and you're grinding out, buying them raw, finding them in good condition, grading them, you're going to do extremely well. No financial advice. Yeah. You're going to do extremely well on that um, because there's just not enough out there to supply the demand for those cards in good condition. And so, and, and, and you take out all the risks. So, for example, you could buy a, 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 an Adiemi for $500, uh, a sapphire color or something like that, and grade it. And by the time it, it comes back from grading, Adiemi might not be in the in the starting 11 anymore for Salzburg. He might get a move to a club that's not a top club. He could go to, yeah. I don't know, some Serie A team or something like that that nobody cares about. Um, and and you're you're done. You're out of you're out of that money or you're holding it for a long time. Whereas if you took that five hundred dollars and you spent it on um, Messi, Iniesta, Ronaldo, Ronaldinho inserts or Minecraft cards, you're probably going to come out way ahead over the next few weeks. You you know what I feel about that is sometimes it's is difficult to, to imagine that scenario. Uh, mm -hmm. Let me explain why. I remember buying Messi rookies uh, on eBay, on eBay uh, Spain, Spain eBay, basically. I remember on the question, all those sites that, that people are aware now, nowadays. And I remember when, when I bought cards from, uh, from Spain, from, from eBay, that I, I, end up, I, I tend to always look at the profile of the person to see what they have. And I, I remember seeing Ronaldings at $2, seeing uh, Zidane's at $5. But for me, I always thought, mm, I have time, basically. And I was wrong, honestly. I, again, I ended up buying some stuff, of course. But I, I, I could have way stronger positions on, on the pre-modern market, especially for those uh, iconic players in multiple mega crack sets or even sets from Italy that, that I also ended up buying quite a lot. But at, the, at that time... I don't, know, I don't know how to explain this very well with my English, but I think is we tend to, to assume that we have time and it's difficult to imagine the market getting to that point so fast. I'm not sure if I'm explaining my, myself well on, yeah, on that. Yeah, what you're talking about is, is the fact that, um, and I think a lot of people think this, um, it's, it's the shiny new object sort of thing, right? Where um, you have all these cards that you you know are, are going to be good investments. So like we talk about mega crack sensors for Messi and Ronaldo, for example, it's a, it's a great example, actually. Yeah. It's, you see those and you think to yourself, it's a long-term investment. I can buy these, I can grade them out, I can hold them or I can sell off the ones that don't grade as well as I think. And that's going to be a sound strategy. But at the same time, you look at the ultramodern end of the market and you see um, Dusan Bohovic, for example, scoring a bunch of goals for, um, for the club he was with before Juventus. And you think to yourself, wow, I don't want to miss the boat on this. And, yeah, you, and, you, you you buy a dream in the end, right? You, yeah, you tend to yeah, buy you're a, buying a dream. 
could could be the next talent, could be the next yeah, exactly. Mbappe on, on exactly. the and, and and so then before you know it, you've spent five hundred dollars on on Dustan. Yeah. Two weeks later, he's out of the Champions League, and and that five hundred dollars that you could have spent on those Messi Ronaldo inserts, maybe they're gone because there's not that many of them lying around in good condition, and so. It's 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 tough to sort of see in the moment that what the obvious plays are when you get caught up looking at the things that are going up crazy in value as opposed to things that you know are going to go in value a little bit. No, for, I mean, you can apply this to other markets. I mean, this new generation, uh, and there is studies on this that they, they tend to like crypto more than they like stocks. The mm -hmm. reason is stocks, if you go to blue ship stocks, they move, but they, they move slow. But again, mm -hmm. if you lose normally, again, we are diff we are living in crazy times, so everything is out of the window right now. But normally, they tend to lose also slow. But in general, there is studies that show that blue ship stocks, they will give you a decent return. But the reality is, if you put, let's say, 1K, you should not expect to have 10K at the end of the year. Probably maybe 1.2K, and that will already be very good. But why people go to, to markets, to, to super speculative assets, and by the way, cards are that. So I'm talking yes. against our market because they see... Uh, banana stuff basically P things going up to 10x uh, sometimes in, in a week uh, i mean maybe not bitcoin right now because because bitcoin is a little bit more stable even though very far from uh, for, from being a, a stable uh, market in, in my perspective but uh, mm. when you look at what people call those alt coins that um, Again, we know basically our pump and dumpers type, type of coins, but there is a lot of people putting money into those because they chase the dream. It's similar to gambling, right? I mean, um, yeah. I risk, I reward, of course, but you can also lose uh, quite, quite big. I think, again, and uh, you, I know you, you follow my channel and most of the people watching, I believe, follow my channel. I don't believe on that type of in investing way. I mean, you can mm -hmm. say it's, it's gambling. You can say it's momentum investment, which is a, is a different thing, but relates a lot with this idea that uh, I will ride this wave and I, I will have a good exit point. A lot of mm -hmm. uh, a lot of times will fail, and uh, especially on the on the on the markets right now, on the soccer card market, a lot of people end up um, seeing a wave. Uh, a trend that I don't think was normal. Um, so, look, uh, again, I, I'll, I always put this example because it's a very easy example to understand. I remember buying messages for super cheap and I'm still up quite a lot, even though they are facing a huge correction. Uh, I'm sorry, I'm touching the mic, but I don't feel that's, that will be the reality uh, going forward. Of course, we can face another boom, but I think what we end up seeing uh, one year ago, two years ago, was just a, the perfect storm, uh, you, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, and I think that gives people, or has given people a warped perception of what kind of an investment class this actually is. So prior to um, the past two or three years where things went really crazy, even the Jordan 86 clear and PSA 10 was only increasing like at an S&P 500 rate, 15 yeah. every year, every year, every year. And then we reach 2020 and it goes Phew, way up, like, 700% or whatever it is. That's not the kind of asset class we're really playing in here. We're playing more in, in a slow 15 to 25% year over year returns sort of asset class where now that that explosive growth isn't coming from the blue chips and the obvious things, people are looking for the more speculative place to try and capture again that, that massive um, return. And it's just 
it really isn't there in a lot of these cases. We're going to look back on things like Mbappe based prisms going crazy and, and Holland stickers going crazy. But a lot of those were perfect storm scenarios in terms of people in the market, low population reports. Um, and we might not see returns like that again for either a very long time or ever, just because it was such a unicorn type moment. No, what you said is actually quite quite uh, interesting. And, and I, actually, I never thought that way. Because actually, people going for ultra-modern is trying to, to leave that uh, spike again, if you think about it. Because, yeah. look, in the past, even players like Pelé, Messi, uh, Garrincha, they, they give you crazy returns. And those players mm -hmm. should not be doing that. At least they, they should have a, a slow growth, of course. I'm talking about key cars, that there is amazing Pele cars and there is cars that I don't think are, are that great to buy. Uh, because we tend to yeah. talk about the Pele market, the Messi market. We, we, you need to, to do your own research and know what cars, cars you should target. But in the past, almost every card was going up. And I think people, like you said, maybe going for, um, I don't know, Musiala, Bellingham, which I think are great players, but mm -hmm. they may try to, to have that moment again, that, look, I, I put uh, $10, I have uh, 1K, <laughs> crazy stuff yeah, that we actually saw in the past. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, and, and a lot of that, I think people just thought they were smarter than everyone else when the fact was you could have literally yeah. bought anything. And so now we all have a work perception of, yeah. oh, I was right on Holland or I was right on th these other players. I'm going to be right again in the future. And it was it was me that did it, not necessarily the market. The best example I have for this is in basketball. Um, Marvin Bagley was a player on the Sacramento Kings. His silver prism um, went up 3x over, over this time period where the whole market booms, and he never got off the bench. He's, he was the same player he was at the start and maybe worse at the finish, and his prism silver had 3x. You could have literally put money in anything at the beginning of 2020, and you would have made 3x at the end of at the end of 2020, beginning of 2021. I mean, so looking at the market, you have to kind of ignore this last two-year period and sort of just look back to what it was more like in the years before, I think. Yeah. No, I, again, I think the market is stronger than it was a couple of years ago. Mm -hmm. And again, there, there is a lot of, there is still a lot of hype. Look, people tend to say, and I'm one of them, that we are facing a downtrend, maybe a bearish market. But there is another argument that we are still facing a uptrend market because, again, there is a correction inside the uptrend, but we are still quite up if you compare it with three, four years ago. So it's an interesting time. And sometimes one thing that I guess we need to, to say is I believe the soccer car market is a special market because I still believe, and could be my confirmation bias, of course, that we still have a lot of room to grow because, again, like you said, look at prices for a, a player like Iniesta, even Griezmann, another nice example. They should be a little bit probable, at least knowing how important they end up being for, for the history of this era, this the pre-modern era, of course, and Griezmann is still playing. They should have some type of premium, and we are not seeing that. So, again, maybe there is opportunity on that front. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, let's move on. Again, great, great topic. Um, okay, most underrated. The, the other one is biggest problem in the soccer card market. I think you said people um, um, overreacting, over um, spending. Um, I would love to know your thoughts on that. Yeah, I think the biggest problem we see right now is just an over-reliance on prospecting as a... So 
we need to call out some different things here. Prospecting is 100% gambling. Um, if you're looking at 16 to 21 year old players and thinking that this is an investment, it's not. You're it's it's 100% gambling when you're putting $500. It's speculation, right? It's it's speculation. It's speculation. But, but James, but James, yeah. again, I, I believe it's fair to say this. If someone says on, on, on the comments on YouTube that every card is the card market is, is a speculation mm -hmm. market, is, a, is almost gambling, I think there is also a point uh, into that because that's the reality. You are talking about yeah. a, a, an asset without any type of intrinsic value. So if mm -hmm. you want to have that take, to some extent, I agree with you. But, but again, I, I think it's also smart to... To, to assess the market in different levels. Look, again, I'm not big, big into, in, into crypto. In the past, I actually uh, invested, but right now I'm not that big into crypto. But let's say if you invest in Bitcoin versus investing in a random coin, even if Bitcoin, and I agree with you, even if you say Bitcoin is still super risky, yeah, but probably a little bit more stable than a random Dogecoin or the, the new Dogecoin. Yeah. I, I don't know the name. So even inside a super speculative market, I think it's fair to say there is different levels. And I think that's what you are trying to say that, again, maybe cards are very risky. There is no way around that because basically a card is worth what you say is worth, what I say is worth. Mm -hmm. that, that's the reality. Um but even knowing that, there is some cars that are a little bit more, more safe. We need to be careful with this. The Paleli for Bologet, for example, again, if that card is not safe, it's difficult to say what card will be at this point. But yeah, please continue. Yeah, I think a better revised version of my take would be that in, instead of people investing on a portfolio and having S&P 500 type stocks, what we're seeing is a lot of people are only investing in penny stocks and expecting to have a good return portfolio just on penny stocks, whereas they have no um, positions on, on strong S&P 500 type stocks in this market. And I think just as a general investing scenario, you, you wouldn't go into a market and just invest in penny stocks. And, and at least from my, my perspective, I think a lot of people in this market are, are really focusing on penny stocks and trying to hit it big as opposed to having a more organized, well-rounded portfolio. And I think that's going to serve you best going forward i agree but but uh, james I, I think it's also this uh, the more you feel uh, that you are losing on the market the more you will be open to make them decisions and the more you will be mm -hmm. open to take risk on that because you think look that guy owns all the rookies for for messi for pele for maradona the only way i will get there is is gambling right now on this new kid from from france Different. For me, the biggest problem in the soccer card market is actually the amount of fakes that uh, we are, especially mm. stickers. But again, that, that will be a video alone on that. I think, look, scammers will always be when uh, there is money to, to, to be made, right? And I think grading companies, and uh, look, I'm not criticizing PSA, BGS, SEC, I'm criticizing all of them. They, they need to find a way, and I don't know the way. I, I have to be, to be honest, because most of those fakes are, are actually quite good, but th they have to find a way to, to solve this problem because, again, I think that can actually really, really hurt the market. Uh, short term, long term, that does not matter. I think it's, it's awful. Yeah, we've, we've seen it from the, the CR7 sticker perspective. 
Um, once the market loses confidence in something, it, it all goes down very, very fast. And it's really hard to get any sort of confidence back. No, yeah, I mean, it's, it's like any type of uh, relationship almost. is. Hmm? It's very difficult to 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 trust in someone, but it's very easy to lose that trust. Uh, so, yeah. and you can apply this logic to to cars because again, if if you don't feel comfortable buying, if if you need to to see, oh, is this a real one or not? Look, some people will not even go into that logic. No, no, no. I stay away from that car for forever, basically, or until I, again, maybe not forever, but uh, for a long time. That's that's a case that uh, I, I totally agree. So moving on. Uh, okay, question number seven is the biggest quality slash potentially you see in the soccer card market. I think you said the international uh, uh, reach. Am I correct? Yeah, international reach and the fact that the population before reports before 2014 are so crazy low in comparison to other sports that if demand comes, then things are crazy. Mm-hmm. But uh, do, do again, this is something that I also, I'm sorry, I, I believe a lot, but I also question myself if, if I'm uh, being crazy about this one or not. I personally believe Asia and Europe will be a big part of the marketing in the long run. Um, I live in Europe, and uh, again, I'm not comparing our market with, with American market. It's night and day, of course, but I see way more people talking about this stuff. I see more people, of, most people are trying to make money with things that they potentially can have. That, that's the reality. But there, there will also be some type of conversion on those guys. Some people will, will get addicted. Okay, I made money with selling a, a Cristiano Ronaldo Mega Cracks card, but let me see about Eusebio. Let me see about uh, Luis Figo. Uh, you, you know what, what I'm trying to say? I think there will be a trickle-down effect, even if a lot of people are trying to basically just make money. Any any sort of awareness on the market is always a good thing. And so when when you see the articles that get listed in, in Portugal or in Spain for these cards or stickers that people have had in their collection for 20 years now selling for five, six figures, that, that generates a lot of awareness on the market. And so even if somebody just goes to their closet to pull one out and sell it, they're probably a lot more interested in the market than they were before. No, I, I agree with you. And again, I also believe that that's the... The biggest potential on, on the soccer card market is the fact that, again, the American market, I love it. I think they will run the market for a long time. But I, mm-hmm. I, I can imagine at least a world where the European market will also be crucial for, uh, for soccer. The, the, again, Asia, the Asian market is, is already important for I end. That, that, that's the reality. Uh, yeah, I was going to say the Asian market, if you go on any of the, the Chinese websites, soccer is the second most popular sport in terms of basketball. No, yeah. And then another thing that a lot of people don't get this is Pokemon is actually quite big in Europe. And uh, <clears throat> I tend to think this because this was my experience, not with Pokemon, but with Magic. I started looking at Magic cards and was a question of time until I started looking at sports cards because we see, oh, look, this is a card graded by this BGS company at the time. I, what is this? And then I thought, okay, but now I'm, this guy also sells Michael Jordan. Let me see if there is some uh, Cristiano Ronaldo. So mm-hmm. I, I also think, that, again, this, this is a super complex topic, but, but it's a snowball effect. If the, the Pokemon market does well in Europe, if the Yu-Gi-Oh market does well in Europe, that will convert in, uh, in, into some... Uh, that will bring more people to, to the soccer card market. I have no doubt about that. It's, again, very complex topic again, but 
markets they work together even if it's so difficult to to understand yeah i mean the the best example we have for that is marvel um over the past few months i mean we really talked about them as an investment type of card but now all the sports people have invaded that hobby and, and jacked up the prices a ton so it's it's only natural that we would see crossover from other aspects of, of the hobby and and in Europe, especially, it's soccer is the number one sport, and it's not even close. And so, if people are going to cross over to one of the sports from Pokemon, it's going to be soccer. I agree. And the, the the other thing that I would actually add to this conversation is, um, if you think about soccer, the, the soccer collector is a collector that is very open to other markets. Uh, because look, mm -hmm. how much people collect soccer and F1 at this point? I think there is a huge crossover between soccer and F1. At least on my Instagram feed, I see a lot of times people that, of, that I follow for soccer posting uh, Ayrton Senna cards, etc. I think that there is actually, I think those new markets, uh, I think KSA calls them emergent markets or something like that, I think they, they, they can feed off each other quite a lot, actually. If F1 does well, I actually believe that but benefits soccer. And same logic with soccer doing well will benefit another new market. I think, like you said, we're, we're, the, the people that are in these markets are more open to other markets doing well in the future because we lived through it, right? We, you and me were in this market before there was any sort of heat on the soccer market. I mean, I was buying in 2019. I, the first thing I ever bought was an Mbappe BGS9 sticker, and it was $100 for the mm -hmm. 2016 rookie sticker. I was buying um, Marcus Rashford silver prisms for $1.50 or $2. I mean, there was absolutely no market back then for this sort of thing. And so when we look at other markets like Marvel or Star Wars or anything else we talk about, even though the, the price isn't there yet, we can see value in it just like we saw before. I agree. Uh, no, yeah, I agree. I, I think, again, everything is, is connected. Um, it's a complex topic that, again, I, I'm just a, a dumb guy saying this, but every, <laughs> the market is connected. There, there, there is no, no way around. Uh, question number eight, number eight, I'm sorry. Um, what's your most unpopular opinion in the hobby? And I believe you said that he's also messy, being too expensive, the seven on beast. Yes. So explain that because that's a little bit controversial, actually. Yeah, so my take on 71 biz in is that unless you're buying it's a complicated part, right? So unless you're buying a PSA 10 71 biz, I think that your money in the messy market is better spent elsewhere. So for example, if you have the uh, $5,000 to buy a mid or low grade 71 biz. I think you're much better off buying um, an on-card auto or something from one of the higher end sets with that money, because I think you, your multiplication on that will be way higher just from a, a supply and demand population perspective. So for example, like we see with Jordan, his, his most expensive cards are not um, the Fleer 86 PSA 10. It's things like PMGs, um, super rare inserts, on-card patch autos, and stuff like that. So at least with Mesty, his most expensive card until this golden sale goes official is 71 bis. And I know it's pop 20, but there's other cards that are lower in pop that I think will be more expensive than that in the future, like we see with the Jordan market. And so I just think that if you have that money and you don't have enough to buy a, a PSA 10, but you want to have a messy investment, I think you're better off going for low population, high-end stuff than a lower grade 71 does. No, makes makes sense. Um, I would say I kind of agree with you. 
uh, even though I'm very invested in, in that card in particular. Mm. But I, I would say this. I think, uh, again, rarity is a... Like, fundamentals is a super relative thing, but I think most people agree that rarity is an important fundamental when it comes to, to buy a, a, any, any card in this market. But I also think rarity to certain point is a little bit overrated because... Mm. Look, there is a lot of rare cars. That's the reality. But iconic cars, that there isn't a lot. Think about iconic cars. You probably think about four or five that you say, no, those cars are really iconic. Pelé, Livabolo, Get, the Mass 7 on B. So understanding demand or the demand that the, that car in particular needs to increase in price is difficult, right? Because that card is not a normal card. That, that's the, even if the pop is 10k, which of course uh, I don't think will be the case ever. To, to, to be fair, but even if it's 10k, and look, Michael Jordan is is more than than that. So, but even if the pop is 10, that card will always have a special market, you know. Because let's be real. Um, for example, I believe you don't own one, but I will be. Uh, this is a, a, a please be be honest. You probably went to own that card one day, right? Correct. Yes, and that's you know that's, you know what I'm trying to say is the card that yeah the the point is there's no rush for me to do it right now because I don't think in the short term you're going to see much velocity on those grades specifically because I think there's just too many above them that people are wanting to buy now. And the the thing is, I don't even think this is a similar example. But for example, I believe you own a Ronaldinho card, the the 99 sticker, right? I don't own that that that, that sticker. is is one of the, the big cards I'm missing right now. Right now, I'm not buying that card. Probably like you for the seven on bees because I, I'm seeing more opportunity on other stuff, and I feel like that I still have time to to potentially buy that card one, one day. Um, but again, is there's not in the other end there is a conflict that I have because that card is so iconic. I, I don't care if it's the best buy. Or not, because look, we are collectors in the end. I mean, uh, yeah. you know what I'm trying to say? I know I can put my money, uh, my 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 manager, my 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 account manager, every time that they, they, they make a deposit on, on my bank account, he calls me, do you want to invest this money? I can make put money on other things and potentially have a decent return. Again, super difficult to predict, but most likely. But collecting is not only about that. I mean, it's also... Again, you, you can have a Messi out of 10, but and you show me that Messi, and there is exceptions. And if you show me a Messi on bees, I will be more impressed, or at least I would. Oh, no, okay, that, that card, I, I know, you, you know what I'm trying to say. There is also that. And that is also that I believe is, is insanely underrated in the audience. People, and I understand the logic, people are focused, they focus a lot on reality right now, because again, we are in a down market. And when we face a down market, I think people tend to. To go to things that okay, the pop is very low on this. I'm a little bit safer, but I also think people end up missing opportunities in super iconic cards, even if the reality is not there, like there is in other in other cards. But reality is just one thing. There is way more things to to look uh, when buying a card. Yeah, and I definitely agree. I think my my point here is that it's a very unique opportunity on the messy market right now. The fact that 71 biz in PSA 10 is so much more expensive than pretty much all of his rare issues. And when you look at Jordan, there's there's quite a few that outsell his rookie in PSA 10. I think if you can take a lot of time and a lot of research to try and identify which ones you think are going to be like those Jordan cards, I, I think those cards are massively undervalued right now. 
and by the way, we already talked about this in private, but mm -hmm. I feel like the, the, the ST sticker was such a great opportunity, yes. man. But, but right now, see, it's, it's stressed. I'm not buying that card and I, I own, but it's basically that I'm not investing, I'm not putting more money into the ST sticker until I feel comfortable knowing that uh, there is no more fakes or at least is under control. So see, mm -hmm. that's another example. Great cards, still low pop, but he, most people are aware of this right now. There is a lot of fakes going around for, for that card. So, Yeah, and I think stickers in general are in a really interesting tipping point in the market. I, right? I agree. <laughs> yes. if, if, if PSA, BGS, SGC, and all these grading companies don't get it under control, stickers are going to be in a lot of trouble. All right, question number nine. F1 or Marvel in five years, what market do you think will have the, the biggest growth? And I believe you said Marvel. Um, explain, explain your thoughts on this. And by the way, on Marvel, I own some stuff, but nothing, especially uh, if you guys are not aware of, of James, he actually ended up uh, selling uh, PMGs. Uh, you, you guys can check that on, on Sunday League uh, uh, investors channel um, and I believe you have some at least way more than me on Marvel on F1 I also have no experience so I have almost I'm talking this this is a question just for you because I don't invest in F1 or Marvel again I invest in Marvel but uh, very little so I don't think my opinion is super relevant but I would love to know yours yeah so disclosure on my holdings here I am pretty much sold out of everything that I own in Marvel because I was in for absolutely nothing a couple of years ago and from my perspective I was just buying them because I thought they looked cool and they were fun and then it got to a point where well can't say no to a 30 40x return or whatever it was at the time when I got the return so I, I'm pretty much completely out of that market right now I have some stuff at PSM where I'm back but uh, outside of that I'm, I'm I'm out of the market my my opinion on that market is there is a very large collector base that has been there for those sorts of things. And so over the next five years, even if the investors come in and leave, there's still that collector base. For F1, it seemed like at the start, everyone was just in a mad dash to make money off this thing with really low pop. But now it seems like they're starting to get a bit of a collector base. A lot of the hype is driven by the one Netflix show that everybody is watching. Um, and so I don't, I don't know how I feel about that long term. Does the show yeah. go out of popularity does it increase in popularity because at least in my opinion when i look on on social media or, or i listen to things on youtube people are one in one connecting that market to the show and that's pretty much how the market has been been going it's either based on performance in the races or it's what happens in the show and that's what generates the interest for the market whereas with marvel it's had that collector base people have been set collecting it and all those factors i think matter a lot it's it's taking a market with no collectors with very high prices against a market that has a ton of collectors, but the prices haven't always been that high. And I think I would almost always go in the case of a market that has a lot of collectors. No, I, I understand your point. And again, even if I don't have a lot of experience on this, on that market, I remember PMGs for Marvel quite cheap because I also use Comsee quite a lot. And at the time, and I already told you this story, I thought, nah, this is just stupid. Why, why people will buy cards for Marvel? If they want a collectible for Marvel, they will go for the Iconic. comic book. And th that was my logic. And um, right now, again, uh, knowing that what you know, of course, was quite wrong. But I feel like more people end up feeling what I, what I felt at the time. You know what I mean? Because... Uh, 
cards on Marvel was not really a market. It was, uh, okay, they love comics, but that's their collectible space. Uh, but again, uh, now I regret quite a lot. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, but yeah, interesting. Again, about F1, I don't know basically anything. So um, I think it's a market like soccer that is still new. I think soccer have a little bit more history. But um, the the modern product probably a little bit riskier but i i think that for almost every market you, you know what i'm trying to say i mean i have zero skin in the game in f1 at all and i've never watched a race and i've never watched the netflix show i'm just going off of what i've seen and heard on social media and so that's very little i do know that there's not a lot of sets so the populations are really low right now and that could be a big reason why everything's so expensive but going forward i don't know how that shakes out when they start pumping out 30 sets a year, like I do with soccer. All right. No, I, I, I agree again. I, I think you are on point on that. Uh, question number 10, and this is the last one. Uh, BGS or SGC uh, in five years, similar to F1 Marvel, what company do you believe will be doing the best? In this case, you don't think either one will be doing that great. So that's, that's, that could be an unpopular opinion in the OVLC. <laughs> Because I, for example, I, I believe SCC is doing a great job, but but I would love to know to know your your perspective on this. Yeah, I think SCC is doing a great job as well. I just think that over the next five years, it's not possible for them to stay in competition as much as it is likely that they get swallowed up by a bigger company that is doing the same exact thing. So, I mean, we, we've talked about this before, but it's, it's my theory that in the next five to ten years, there's an arms race between eBay and their wing against um, Collector's Universe, which is PSA, and their wing. So these two massive corporations with massive money trying to run the entire hobby from, from card opening to grading to selling, these two companies are going to go at it on every single front. And so when that happens and there's that much money involved, I don't think that BGS or SGC at the scale that they're at can survive it and not get swallowed up by one of these other companies that wants to buy everything. So, I mean, we, we look at the um, the report that comes out from, uh, uh, what's the website called? Gemrate. Um, they produce the report every week that shows how many cars have been graded. And PSA is what, 10, 20x the output of these other companies? That's just an insane amount of yeah, it's, demand. It's a, in, in a different level. On, on that, yeah, that, that is, is no argument. If PSA brings back bulk, why would you ever send to these other companies? If PSA brings back bulk at 10 to $15 a card, it's pretty much over. But I think one thing that uh, I think one thing that that is, <laughs> I also believe there is a segment of people that they hate PSA. You know what I mean? Yes. So that there will always be a market for one of those those grading companies. That there mm -hmm. will always be people that uh, will be a contrarian. You know what I'm trying to say? That that will yeah. say those guys are cheap. They will go for for PSA. I'm staying with BGS or CSG. Yeah, whatever I mean, look, the company. I... My PC is mostly all in, it's all in SGC slabs, right? Uh, I mean, yeah, I'm that, that map is a beautiful guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I'm a, I, I, I love the slab and it's cheaper than PSA right now. And so for PC stuff, I have no problem throwing into a bunch of SGC slabs because I'm not looking to move it. But at the same time, I understand that the people that are rotted grade flipping, there's almost no reason for them to send to SGC if PSA is going to be cheaper with similar turnaround times once they're fully operational. And so... From that perspective, I think SGC and BGS will get to a point where they won't have the demand that they're used to having um, when PSA becomes fully operational. And at that point, yeah, they can they can still survive as companies and 
if they want to do it at a lower profit margin than probably what they're used to. But I think it's more likely that they get swallowed up by one of the bigger um, players. No, I think your point is valid. Um, I've been grading a lot with SEC. Basically, I like them. I mean, uh, what what can I say is, I don't also I hate I hate upcharges from from PSA. Uh, it's something that I, I don't think upcharges even thinks about you if you are a collector. Let's be real, because mm-hmm. I mean, if you are just putting that card in your purse, why you need to pay? You know, it, it's a weird dynamic, at least for me. Uh, no, I I mean, I my marble PMGs that I sent for nine dollars to grade that they were there for over a year, I got upcharged to two hundred fifty dollars per card. <laughs> so, but the, okay, but in that case, you at least end up selling those. So. You know, but imagine if you are just a, a Marvel collector that you are not mm-hmm. even trying to sell those. You yeah. know what I'm trying to say? Paying that amount of money that, uh, again, I, I think there is a longer conversation to have on this that is even that, um, in terms of morals, is that even correct? You know, you know what I'm trying to say? I think that's the. Yeah, the because the they're, do, that's, they're doing the exact same job. It's not like it takes longer or a different process. But they're. They're doing the same job that would have cost them nine dollars, and they're charging you two hundred for it. Yeah, again, they, I understand the, because they will say that they, you you have almost insurance in your card if there is something yeah. wrong in the future. So again, there, there is good things on that, but I personally don't don't like it. And the, uh, what what I would say about this is, look, can I see a future where BGS does not exist? Yes, SGC, yes. But I would say this: I even believe PSA. I, I'm being real. I think. Is always very, very difficult to predict the future. Even if you try mm-hmm. to think a scenario, you will always go with things that we know right now. So, okay, PSA is the, the biggest one. PSA will be the biggest one. But there is a scenario that, look, imagine if Google, imagine if Amazon ended up entering the grading space with crazy technology. Is that likely? That's a different conversation, but it's a possibility. Who knows? And uh, mm-hmm. grading becomes something that is way more. Uh, automatic way more it's not automatic the word there is more technology involved that uh, basically and look we know there is some psa tens that probably right now will be psa eights right i mean i I guess everyone agrees with that same with bgs same with scc so you know what i'm trying to say i I think right now and this is the the advice i tend to to give to my my members is buy the card buy great cards you know i mean if I have a Messi that I think is a great card on SEC, on a BGS, on a PSA slab, I mean, it's still a great card, of course. If I'm trying to sell and you have a great point on that, of course, I will get more money if he's in a PSA slab. But I, a lot of my viewers, they, they are trying to value investing, or at least I hope that's the case. And if that's, and if that's the case, again, I'm not saying it's irrelevant, and there is another another great argument that why not keep cards raw? I mean, that's also fine in my perspective. If you are not trying to sell, just wait. I mean, and another thing that people tend to forget is grading historical is cheap. It is not expensive. We live in, in a different, uh, uh, we are living in, in crazy time right now. So, yeah. I, I think that's a great point that grading wasn't at a certain point supposed to be cheap, right? We were, we weren't supposed to be paying fifty dollars to grade something. It was eight dollars, nine dollars. It's it's completely changed. Now it's 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 the fee you're paying so that you can profit off the card, right? It's it's PSA taking their cut of of, of a percentage of what it's worth in a PSA ten. And so that's that's one thing. And then and then your point about P- 
PSA 8s being in PSK 10 cases and stuff like that. I My approach has now been, if I'm looking to buy something that's already graded and I'm looking at it for a long-term hold, I'm looking at it in terms of, I think that at some point in the next 10 to 20 years, there will be some sort of computer vision grading. And so when that comes, when I feel comfortable having this card, because exactly. I think- I, I exactly. think we will get to a point where everything is going to be run through a computer. It could be in 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, but 40 years. I, hopefully I'm still around in the hobby by then, but it's it's going to happen. And so at that point is my messy 71 bis in a PSA 6 that ends up being a, a computer 85 out of 100. Is, is that worth more than the messy that was in a PSA 9 case that's actually a 72? I, I get I think, it. I agree. And that's why I tend to say buying PSA 10s, honestly, I think it's quite them. Because if you're if you are buying a 10, again, there is two scenarios. If you buy a 10 because you know you'll flip that card in one month from now, you are trying to rate some wave completely different, of course. But if you buy a 10 as a value investor, first of all, probably more 10s will be graded. There is exceptional cards. And apart from that is a 10 can only go down in the future. That there is no up for for a ten, at least that that we can imagine right now. And if you buy a nine, look, a nine can go to an eight. Of course, can go in the future, but can also go to a ten. And guess what? If a nine goes to an eight, you lose money. But the 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 opportunity going to a ten is way bigger than the potential money uh, potential money you lose on on an eight. This is super relative and, and super speculative, of course. But uh, I honestly don't, don't think 10s are, are, are a great buy. I, I always tend to believe the BGS 9.5, the SCC 9.5, the SCC 9, the PSA 9, all of those grades, if you look at the card, if you recognize that the card is correctly graded or even undergraded, because sometimes we see cards on nines or even eights that they are so clean that uh, there is no reason for that. I think those will be the ones doing the best um, in the future, basically. So. And, and you're talking about the, the there's no opportunity to increase on your investment from a pure grade perspective if you're already buying a 10. And that's that's something I, I thought about a lot when I started entering the hobby. And it's why I pretty much exclusively buy raw cards. I mean, 98% of the cards that I buy are, are raw for that reason. Same. Because <laughs> there's, there's not a lot of ways your 10 can go up unless the particular value of that card goes up. If you if you buy raw, there's a... there's if you do your research and all that, there's a good chance you can 2x on it or 3x on it, depending on what your grade is going to be. And so if you take the time to do that research on your raw cards, then I just think that's the way to go if you want to really grind. No, I I agree 100% on that. I, I think that, look, I think buying raw, again, you need to know what you are doing. Some people buy raw cards that they, they, they have no idea that they think they are buying 10s, they are buying first. So there is also that that could be dangerous, of course. But if you have some experience on the market, buying raw, grading, again, I don't like the, the expression free money, but if you know what you are doing, there is a likely chance that you will be doing very well, basically. You know what I'm trying to say? Especially on the sets that we talk about, like uh, yeah. your Mega Cracks issues, um, Mega Cracks and Mooney Chroma inserts, things like that that don't get graded a lot. Um, there's really big opportunities there if you can find them in good condition. No, uh, I agree. I, again, that that's uh, I will not even contest you. I agree totally. <laughs> I, I also think that um, again, anecdotal data, random example. But for, like I was saying, I actually sold a couple of cars on PLCC and PropSteam recently, and I sold PSA, BGS, and uh, 
and SEC slabs. And again, I know this is anecdotal data, but actually my PSAs slabs end up underperforming quite a lot. And my SEC slabs did, did very well. But what's the key on this? I sold cards that the pop is very low, no matter the grading company. So automatic that, again, it matters being on a BGS lab. Of course it matters. But to a certain point, okay, but this, this card is rare. Even, okay, I buy the BGS lab, I crack it to PSA, whatever. There is people thinking like this. And the, the, more, impor the more important thing, and I have no doubt in my mind about this, is buy the card, buy something with great fundamentals. The plastic that you choose, <laughs> again, not saying is irrelevant, but is is a little bit overrated uh, to 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 certain point. Yeah, no, it's like you say, every card is a card, and every case is a case. It just it, it really <laughs> matters what it is. Certain things in SGC cases will do really well just because they they don't have PSA counterparts. And I mean, just going through my drawer here, for example, this is the it's the highest graded one in SGC or PSA, and so it doesn't matter what case that it's in; it's the highest graded one. But, so again, I, again, James, yeah. if you have that card in a PSA eight or a PSA 8.5, yes, you'll get a little bit more money. There is no doubt. Mm -hmm. But do people really believe the difference is that? In, look, sometimes the, the, the upcharge you pay on PSA, the, the, the percentage you need to pay because PSA is a little bit more expensive. If you make all of that math, sometimes you are like, eh, <laughs> it's almost the same <laughs> thing. But people have this idea. And I would say one thing. You, me, we are more in, into pre-modern, vintage, so I think that's what, what we are saying makes more sense for, for, for those markets. Yes. If you are playing in ultra modern where everything is a 10, that's when things get a little bit tricky because yeah, a PSA 10 sells for way, way more than a SGC 9.5. It's not even comparable. But I guess, guess what? I'm not playing on that market that, that much. So for me, you know, what I'm, you know what I'm trying to say is not that relevant, honestly. Yeah, it's the the less population there is, the less the grading company matters. I agree. Uh, yes, of course. No, no doubt, no doubt. Because again, it's a great card. Yes, the plastic is 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 the is secondary. But the mm. the, the the thing that people I, and I believe this notion of the grading company mattering a lot comes from base stuff, honestly, because uh, people try to basically, and this is something that people need to understand: grading companies. They try to make things rare that are not rare. So they, they try to, to, to find some condition rarity. And they fail a lot of time because sometimes even condition rarity is not a thing. I mean, if there is 10K or 20K, I don't even know, don't know the number for, for Luca Danchik, uh, PSA 10, there is no condition rarity. I mean, uh, I, sometimes I even see people discussing, should I buy the 9 or the 10? I honestly... I will try to buy the PSA 7, it's irrelevant. I mean, the card is not rare. That There is no investment opportunity on a card like that. At least the way I see the market, I hope- There are more 10s people... <laughs> than 9s in that card. And there's 20,000 10s. The 9 is more rare, so <laughs> go with the 9. <laughs> <laughs> but, but yeah, but on that, on those specific markets, I think it makes more sense to have this conversation. You know what I'm trying to say? Okay, maybe PSA, give me a premium, but on, vintage on pre-modern again PSA sells for more so if everyone is watching this video uh, questioning what's the best grading company to to make my dollar worth the more i i can go with psa i'm not even trying to to trick you into that front but if, if you are value investing if you are not selling right now i think the plastic is secondary being, being totally honest i think is is 
in the future, who knows, honestly. But I agree with you in the end. I also believe that there will be a lot of consolidation in the space. So yeah, any final thoughts? On consolidation, uh, just I, th I think that's where things are going. But other than that, yeah, I mean, it's it's like we said earlier. Whoever comes into the space with the most money is probably going to end up running it. So when when we get to that point, we'll know. <laughs> no, yeah. Well, again, all the questions are then. This I, I don't even know how long we end up talking. Uh, I have no idea. I will see it at the end. Uh, I hope I'm recording this, by the way. <laughs> Uh, but I, I think I am. Um, oh, thank you so much for uh, for participating on on this. Um, again, I call this a podcast, a talk show, whatever. I don't think it's that relevant. And guys, if you end up enjoying this one, uh, leave a like, leave a comment. I will leave links for uh, uh, James' uh, Instagram. If you have any other social media, you can tell me. Um, and yeah, I mean, share some final thoughts that uh, if you have, of course. Final thoughts. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I just think spend your time in the hobby well, do a lot of research. And I, I, I think we're at a point, in, an interesting point in the market where I think people have seen the peaks and now we've been slowly down, 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 down over the past uh, year or so. And a lot of people have been discouraged by performance of a bunch of different cards and don't necessarily see that there's still a lot of opportunity in this market, but it's just not as easy as it used to be. And you're really going to have to grind for it. But if you do, there's, I, I still think there's a lot of opportunity in the market, at least from, from what I can see, it's just not the obvious stuff that we had seen in the past where you're, you're not going to be able to buy 20 base cards, grade them all with PSA and, and 8X your money. It's, it's, yeah. it's a lot of research. No, I, I mean, I agree. I, mean, I think right now, Again, I still think that uh, if you are a guy that puts time uh, in the market, I keep saying this is not about timing the market, it's about timing the market. Even if you, you start uh, in a slow way, because I think that's normal, I think in the long run, you will be doing great. And apart from that, look, again, like I said, I, I can put uh, my money in, into a lot of things that will be a little bit easier to potentially have, have a return. But I love cards. And um, I, you know what I mean? Uh, I don't care about if uh, Apple is going up or down. For me, it's irrelevant. But talking about Cristiano Ronaldo and Messi cars are, are way, is way more fun for, for me because I have memories with that. I Again, it's, it's just there is some nostalgia effect almost into this. So, so yeah. yeah. And I mean, at the end of the day, we all we all collect things. Whether the, whether the market's going up or down, I always think there's opportunities to... To, to add to your collection and, and do things like that. I mean, yeah, as far down as the market is, is now, uh, as opposed to where it has been, I've been doing more buying in the past few months than I probably ever have, just because I think there's some, some great opportunities out there. But James, that, that's the funny thing. I also have been buying a lot, but I've been mm -hmm. selling a good amount. And people say, oh, yeah, you, yeah. you are selling in a down market. Look, if you are selling in a down market, and I keep saying this, you are also buying in a down market. <laughs> so if you sell at the top of the market, again, if you try to buy that also will be difficult. So this is always difficult to, to navigate. I think having some type of cash flow uh, is very healthy for uh, even for, for your mental state, because if you just put money, if you just put money, if you just put money, if you don't see a return, even if you are doing well, things can can get a little bit tricky. I think it's important to sometimes, okay, this card is 2x up, let's move on to, to another thing. I think that's healthy. 
Yeah, exactly. Because there's always things that I'm, I'm looking at that I want to buy. And in order to do that, you obviously need to sell what you have in order to not over leverage yourself in terms of your other finances. But yeah, no, I have to have to sell in order to buy and keep cash flow um, cash flow moving. And, and look, sometimes there is and look, if you don't need to sell right now, and if you and if you can put money without selling, maybe that's smart. To be fair, because we are actually mm -hmm. facing. I'm sorry, a, a, a strong drone trend in my perspective. But there is nothing wrong if, if you need to sell to buy and other things. I think that's also uh, quite, quite healthy. So, yeah. yeah, thank you so much. You, you uh, can always you can always buy things back. I think that's a lot of people. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, Unless people think. Something, yeah. yeah, I mean. Unless and, it's something super, super rare or pop one or specific, you can always buy it. There's no rule that says you can't. <laughs> And look, I, I actually, I, I talked this uh, on my Patreon. I said one thing that, look, let's say you went to touch the card for 10K and you are like, uh, you know what? Now is not a good time and maybe I will buy it in the future. Sometimes you buy that card in the future for 20K. But guess what? 20K for you at that time could be a little bit easier than 10K is right now. You know what I'm trying to say? Sometimes it's, you tend to think, no, I bought for more. Yeah, but your situation is also quite better right now so again there is no doubt you are paying you are paying more but your position on the market is way is even better than the extra you are paying so again i'm talking i'm saying this because i face this situation a lot of times so i'm buying things for way more than i could buy one year ago or two years ago but i feel more comfortable right now by buying those things you know what i'm trying to say yeah, no, I, the, the market was just in a completely different place um, and has been. And, and if you still believe in it and, you're, and the fundamentals still line up, I mean, there, there's things I'm still currently buying where they're at the peak of their price, but but I believe in it. And so I'll, I'll, I'll continue to do so until I think the fundamentals don't work out anymore. Um, and I, I think we talked about this before as well, and it's a good lesson, is that um, when you see things go up a, a ton in value, you start to think, it I know what it was worth before, so it's not worth that much now. But markets change all the time, and so when the prices shift like that, as long you, you talk about this a lot, there's a difference between value and and price, and not always do they meet yeah. at the point of value being exactly the same as price. A lot of the times, the scales can get confusing. But as long as the fundamentals are right on the value side, even if the price was here and now it's here, it still is a good value for you to to get in that. And so. No, yeah, no, no, all of those topics are very complex. I mean, uh, we try our best to explain, but in the end, this, this is a complex topic. Uh, again, that's why I keep saying, do your own research. I change my mind all the time. That, that's the yeah. Some Look, if you are new into collecting, and there is a lot of people new into collecting, I can guarantee you just one thing. The way you see your collection right now will be very different one year from now. Mm -hmm. the, the only constant is changing if, if, if you think about because everything changes but the change is, is, is a constant thing you know what I'm trying to say so and uh, yeah even if I believe we are facing a downtrend uh, again I, I believe there is a lot of people being negative right 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 now in the market and that makes opportunity to to buy because right now is, is the time to be optimistic is the time to 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 buy certain things that you end up reaching in the past to have a correction. Guess what? The correction is is uh, is with us right now. But people say that, but they never buy when things are down. Because again, you can see when things are going down, you 
is so difficult to see the, the positive side. And by the way, I'm not any type of guru. I also struggle with that. Sometimes I question, maybe the market is actually then, of course, this is an extreme example, but, but you st everyone struggles with these questions. Yeah, maybe this is not the best market. Maybe soccer was a little bit overrated. There is always this type of thoughts in, in your mind, but you need to stay focused. And there is no, nowhere on that. If you believe in the fundamentals, if everyone is saying, you know what, F1 is the market you should go, soccer is then. That's a good indication that maybe soccer could be the, the play right now. So, Yeah, it's the natural trends of the market. When things are going up, it's very hard to see the downside of the cliff that is obviously going to be there. Like with, with base stuff, for example, if you were looking at the fundamentals, it was kind of obvious that we weren't going to do this forever. It's, it's, but when things are going up like that, it's really hard to see this part of it and now we're on this part with a lot of different stuff whether that be base or other things it's hard to see when it's going to go like this again no yes i mean <laughs> is humans are i mean people say markets are irrational it's because of that because mm -hmm. people love to buy when things are hot when things are uh, doing very very well when people say no no guess what that's amazing but when things are going down People are no, no, that's that what what the what the awful market. So yeah, it yeah, is a is a You're almost topic. always better doing the inverse of what everyone else is doing. If everybody is looking to buy something, you should probably be selling it. And uh, look, there is times that I agree with the market that I think, yeah, that's quite overrated. I actually don't even mm -hmm. believe those things. Look, for example, uh, I know there is a lot of negative negative to base cars in basketball, and I agree. I don't think those cars. <laughs> I mean, can I see them recovering? Of course, that, that, that can be. A, but I don't think those cars are, are actually something that you should put your money um, in, into, into the future. I, I, I agree with the market on that sense. But for example, and uh, I guess this is the, the obvious example in the market, the messy market is facing a correction. But I still believe on the messy market. So can I be on, on the down for one more year? Of course. I mean, that's, that's, I don't have a crystal ball. I don't know the, the future, but I still believe in that. And um, if I'm wrong, I'm wrong, basically. It's natural trends in the market. No. We'll go, we will go up again and we will definitely go down again. Um, it's just a matter of when it comes and there's no way to really know. <laughs> and uh, I'll, this was not in my mind, but I would, I would say one thing that I've been saying in a, in a couple of actually Patreon audios, that right now I see a lot of people trying to tell you what you should collect. Don't let that people define your collection, define your goals, because look, no one knows what will be the next big thing, if soccer will perform well or not. We don't know that. We have hopes. We try to, to apply some type of fundamentals logic, but in the end, collect what you love. Um, if you love to collect Star Wars, if you love to collect Marvel, I think those markets are also great uh, as long as you do your own research because we see a lot of negative when an, a new market appears. And by the way, I was that guy not, not that long time ago. I remember me saying that F1 was uh, a pump and dump market. And guess what? The F1 market is still with us. Do I still feel there is some type of um, hype on that set, like you said, with the, the Netflix show? Yes, but the reality is... Look, it is what it is. The, maybe, look, I probably end up missing a great opportunity on vintage. Seems like vintage is doing very well. And on that, I feel more confident. So don't tell other people, me, uh, James, tell what you should collect. In the end, do your own research and uh, you will do, again, that, that's the, the best path in, in, in my perspective. So, yeah. yeah. 
take the time to grind. And then once you've, once you've grinded and you look at fundamentals and it makes a lot of sense, then get things that you, that you believe in and, and you think would be a good addition to your collection and work from there. Okay, let's finish this because I don't even know how many how many hours end up going. Maybe two hours. I'm not sure. Maybe less, but I, I don't know. Thank you so much for um, for this uh, conversation. I really enjoyed. Um, for people that don't know, I know James. I would say very well at this point. Um, I think he's a very smart guy. I'm being real. I think he's. I actually don't think you end up demonstrating what you know about the market on this. So maybe you need to come back another time. Um, and yeah, leave a like, subscribe. I will leave links for uh, uh, James' uh, social media and see you guys in, in the next one. Bye. All right, guys. I hope you guys enjoyed this last video. Uh, but now I have a couple of things to, to share with you. If you want to support my work, uh, joining Patreon tends to be the best way to do it. And apart from that, I give you exclusive content. I put a new Q&A every week and I also make a podcast, Extra Audio. The name is up to you on Saturday. So exclusive content, you can interact with me uh, very well there. And apart from that, I've been answering more than uh, in the last couple of months and I've been answering more than 300 questions, which is quite crazy to think about. Again, if you like my content on YouTube, very likely scenario you end up loving my content on Patreon. Uh, to join the Patreon, you need to pay around $10, but that for some people can be a lot of money. And if that's the case, no problem at all. One thing that is totally free is my Discord server. Uh, we talk um, about the soccer card market, but specific about pre-modern there. And it's an amazing place to learn about the market. We are more than 400 members and joining, like I said, if the Patreon $10 is a lot to you, the Discord is totally free, so there is no reason to not join my Discord. Check both links on the description and see you guys uh, the next time. Bye.